buddies, fellow Franco fans. It is I, your host, Jason Rudy, from Desperate Visions Productions, a Sacramento, California, independent filmmaking production company headed by yours truly. And I am happy to report, as of this taping, a few days ago, I finally finished editing Lady Hyde, and I now have a copy done and have been rendering that out and observing it, and I'm very happy. It's a mix of several of my films, themes, and other things. Like, I watched it, and I uh, analyzed it as I was taking notes and studying it, like I do with this. And, uh, yeah, and there's definitely, it, it follows a lot of the Franco checklist, too, by the way, which I'm happy to report. But, yeah, it's a mix of a Franco film, the style of uh, somebody coming back and killing uh, the people that killed somebody close to them, uh, a motif he used in probably eight or ten films. Um, and like, uh, you know, um, uh, she killed an ecstasy, um, uh, a Soho, that one, and um, quite a few, of course, um, um, Dr. Z and, and Orloff and all that. So, yeah, anyway, so, yeah, uh, so I got that done. Happy report and all that good stuff. And uh, cutting a trailer for it right now and uh, going to get it booked and all that good stuff. And then going back and editing the second feature that I filmed a year ago, uh, Emmanuel in Sin City, a new Emmanuel film. So, uh, or my take on a Emmanuel film, Emmanuel with one M like Black Emmanuel or Yellow Emmanuel or or Blonde Emmanuel or any of those. So, yeah, so that's what is going on in the uh, Desperate Visions universe. But, yeah, like I was saying before, it's uh, Lady Hyde's a mix of uh, uh, Love Blade. Uh, it's a mix of Lady M, a film I did before, a little mix of Simone, and a uh, mix of a Franco film, and then, of course, all the stuff I love, a lot, a lot of wrestling in there and uh, other stuff, so... Yeah, so it'll be playing soon, uh, hopefully streaming and playing locally and then Blu-ray and everything else. So uh, listen for future episodes, and I'll give all the information out where you can see or uh, buy or however it works out. So now on to Francoville. So yeah, right now we're in Franco Universe 1980, and this being episode 95, we review the film 95 in the Franco canon, his 95th film, El Sexo Este Loco, also translates to Sex is Crazy, um, comes from Spain, 1980, like I said, alternative title, The Sex is Crazy, U.S. DVD cover, uh, also Sexo Loco. Showing title, shooting title reported in uh, Jose de Lunes. Uh, production company on this is Tritone at PC out of Madrid. It's a smaller company, just one company this time, uh, which they've done worked with Franco in the past few films here. Uh, theatrical distributor, Star Films, SA, out of Spain. Uh, the SMC erroneously lists Spanish Warner. Shooting timeline on this. The shooting date is March. He filmed this in March of 1980 and turned around and it played in December of 81. So, yeah, uh, about a year and a half or so. Um, uh, December 12th, 1981. Then it played um, Madrid, March 15th, 1982. So about two years it played after it was uh, shot in Madrid. 
then played Marchia, April 1st, 1982. And finally, Barcelona, April 19th, 1982. Uh, theatrical running time, Spain, 91 minutes. DVD running time converted, SP Magna Video Pal DVD, 85 minutes, 44 seconds. Uh, it says, um, I took glass off here for this small print. Oh yeah, by the way, of course all information taking from the book, flower, flower, <laughs> all information for this taking from the book, Flowers of Perversion, Volume 2 by Stephen Thrower. All right, uh, dos perros estén tan devoras hermosas, cules leve e primer cuatrimonio de la historia. Two couples are so in love, which leads them to the first quadrilateral marriage in history. That's what it says. Wow. All right, so four. Uh, Writer-director, Jess Franco, of course. Director of photography, Juan Solar Cozar. Music, Daniel White, as Pablo Vila and uncredited Jess Franco. Executive producer, Juan Dominguez Rigueso, Laboratory, Photo Film Madrid. Uh, sound, can't okay, see. Uh, uncredited camera operator, Jess Franco, editor, Jess Franco. Cool. I like that. It's like me. I like to edit and shoot and direct. Uh, second camera operator, Luis Duria, Colombia, as LF Dor Colombia. Uh, cast, Lena Romain, billed as Candy Coster. She plays three roles, Marcia, or Marcia, uh, Ms. Fonseca, and Cookie. Lind Esterson, as Lynn Anderson, plays Dorothy, Usavia Castell, and Ms. Bernada. Antonio Mayans, as Robert Foster, like the fr- everybody is billed as somebody else, uh, plays Spencer and Gutierrez. Antonio Rabolo as Tony Skios, plays Flanagan and Martinez. Uh, Jess Franco, of course, is the director, plays the director. Uh, Laura Garcia plays Rosalinda, producer's girlfriend slash female Argentinian. Antonio Martin, Panchito, the Argentinian. Juan Solar Cozar, as Juan Solar, plays the registry office official, stills photographer. Uh, Jose Luis Martinez plays Juanito. And finally, Gloria Menendez, Juanito's girlfriend. All right, so pretty lengthy synopsis, too, but of course we read that in the second half. Oh, yeah, and by the way, uh, we're going to have a co-reviewer on this one, and of course returning from... The City of Angels is Miss Colisini is joining me on this review. So hang out and listen past the bumper music for our review. All right, so on to production notes. Production notes. For some Franco critics, the 1980s are all about decline. Commentators like Carlos Aguilar, for instance, find almost nothing of worth in his output during these years. Check my tape. Good. Okay. Um, but while it's true that some of Franco's most dispiriting and insignificant work comes from the 1980s, the same period boasts a great many outstanding and at times astonishing films, including a dozen or so that stand up alongside his best work of the 1970s. 
El Sexo Este Loco is one such film, and there are plenty more to choose from, because Franco's filmography went through an incredible growth spurt during the 80s, expanding from 90 at the end of the 1970s to a staggering 140 by 1985, over half as much again in just five years. Such a phenomenal work rate seems unreal, but as we consider the brutal corporate pressures at work in the 1980s, such extreme productivity begins to look like a race against time, against the elements, against the various trials and adversities that would, by the end of the decade, more or less finish off the independent sector of commercial European cinema. Well, that's really sad. That's really cool. Uh, In the early 1980s, Franco made a deal for two films with Spanish production company Company, I'm sorry. In the early 1980, in early 1980, Franco made a deal for two films with Spanish production house Triton, a sweet softcore fantasy, El Lago de las Virgins, Lake of the Virgins, and an almost indescribable sci-fi parody called El Sexo Este Loco, one of the most off-the-wall films to come out of Spain in the 1980s. Director of photography Juan Solar has very fond memories of making the movie. El Sexo Este Loco is as nutty as a fruitcake and full of very amusing details. There is a mockery of the dubbing of American films into Spanish. Jesus allows himself allowed himself to do absolutely what he wanted without the control of any producer and shoots everything that comes to mind, letting the crew appear in the mirror, letting me enter the frame to get my camera, as always, we worked with very few resources of light, and the sets are all the hotel rooms where we stayed, or nightclubs where we had enough lights. I had a lot of fun with that scene where Mayans and Skios, naked and painted silver, go to kidnap Lena from the car. They walk with so much care that it's not clear whether it's to make no noise or surprise her, or because they are barefoot and they are being stabbed in their feet by the pebbles. <laughs> Madrid-based production outfit Triton were actually among the more stable financers of Franco's work during his turbulent passage from French to Spanish production in the late 1970s. Franco's chief ally there was Juan Joaquin Dominguez Rigoso, or Risco, who was executive producer on Las Chicas de Copacabana, 1979, Sinfonia Erotica, 1979, The Cetus of Notre Dame, 1980, and El Sexo Este Loco, 1980. Production manager on Pala de Fuego, 1978. Uh, Aborazones Sexuales de Una Muer Casada, 1980, and Devil Hunter, 1980, and producer of El Lago de la Virgen, 1981. Note that two of these were actually J.E. Films productions, suggesting that Julian Esteban's company had business links with Triton. Okay. Uh, Here's two quotes. Jess Frank, my friend, the director Jess Franco for his Spanish films, which have made me enjoy jazz, is shooting Sexo Loco. When we least expect it, Jesus will give us an authentic movie full of art. How long it is since your movie, Tinimos 18 Enos. (laughs) Ramona Puerate, Joya de la Lunas, March 10th, 1980. Okay. Uh, Any similarities between the events and characters of this film and real life are purely coincidental. Furthermore, we would be left puzzled because real life is not as crazy or stimulating. 
the authors have simply aimed to reflect, without pretension, the world of erotic dreams. The horny imagination of two couples thrown into a film shoot that borders on pornography. The opening credits of El Sexo Este Loco. Alright, here's the review by Stephen Thrower. In 1980, Jean-Luc Godard returned to narrative filmmaking after several years producing Marxist essays on video. The film that announced his comeback was Suave Qui Put La Vie, or Slow Motion in the UK, starring Isabella Huppert and Jacques Dutronc. Although commercial, in quotes, by Godard's then recent standards, it was still pretty wild, with a sort of structural eclipses and discontinuities that would regularly relegate it to the tiniest of art houses today. At times, the movie freezes at seemingly random intervals and then advances frame by frame. Dialogue from one scene is struck over another. The audio from one scene continues to run over the next. So, Guess who must have seen this film on its release in Spain in 1980 and left the theater feeling invigorated and inspired. Franco was a longtime admirer of Godard, who he often declared was his favorite filmmaker. And El Sexo Este Loco is by a long way the most Godardian, certainly the oddest Franco film of the 1980s. Perhaps the only thing that seems discordant in comparison to Godard's approach is... No, no, no. Start again. In 1974, Louis Bonnel directed The Phantom of Liberty, a surrealistic farce with a non-linear plot structure in which various unrelated episodes are linked together solely by the movement of certain characters from one scenario to... Ah, uh, what's the point? Franco is making a weirdo sex film with lots of alienation effects, like one of Pavlov's dogs. Oh, I'm sorry. And like one of Pavlov's dogs, I'm salivating, automatically reaching for art movie comparisons. What does a comparison prove except to move the terms across the board from one side of the newspaper to the other, in six languages at least? Does it matter if the Cucufate in Conical or wait, does it matter if the Cucufate is Conical or digressive? In what sense does any of this really feed the birds? If a critic wants to use a film to empty the shells from the pigsty and cut holes in a 12-foot sheet of plastic, then you can easily push through any face you like. It's interesting. All that matters is the conservation of mass times energy and momentum, which leaves the opposite edges in uproar. Silly. Can a parody also line the casket? Okay, okay. that's just interesting uh, ramblings there. Um, in El Sexo Esto Loco, performance registers are unstable and reliable. Scenes tilt over into play-acting or inappropriate levity without warning. What begins as a sexy science fiction comedy, Venus is set to launch, turns into a paranoiac crime drama, then swerves off into horror, back to comedy, into deconstructed porno. This proves to be the way throughout the film. We oscillate unpredictably between alternative versions of events, while the style in which these events are conveyed shifts to... Among the numerous oddities and illogicalities, illogicalities, number one, Franco himself appears on screen as a film director shooting a scene with Rome and Tony Sikos. He asks him for a second take of the same dialogue, but in a more cheerful register. Number two, 
A makeup girl steps into a shot to dab at Romay's face before being ordered away by the director. 3. Actors slip out of character and look at the camera, only for a directorial voice off-camera to congratulate them and insist that they continue the scene. 4. A character is introduced to us in voiceover as the producer's girlfriend. Later we see her in tears as we're informed that she has been sacked because she refused to perform a sex scene required by the script. 5. Doubling occurs throughout. Actors play two roles. Scenes are played twice. Two happy couples going to the registry office to get married. That's to say the couples wish to marry each other. Two times two, making a marriage of four people. A jaunty music cue from Eugenie. History of Perversion is played at double speed. Uh, number six, a sex scene in the driving seat of a car is rendered utterly alien and absurd. Firstly, by the dialogue, spoken in a sort of pidgin English with bizarre high-pitched accents, and secondly, by the fact that the car is traveling about five miles per hour as it drives down a Benidorium seafront at dawn. Number seven, characters swap their partners without warning, say each other's lines, then have to consult with the director to find out who should have said what. They subsequently retake the scene, but play completely different with different dialogue. Names change constantly. Number eight out of ten. The audience at a live sex show wear synthetic joke store masks. Later, these same mask-wearing individuals attack Lena Romay in the guise of monsters belonging to some sort of devil-worshipping sect intent on sacrificing her. Do the masks conceal true monstrosities behind simulation? Or are these the faces of true monsters from outer space that just happen to look like rubberized ghouls? 9. As Mayans drives Romay to the countryside, he spouts total gibberish, a mixture of film references, Mel Brooks, Hitchcock, and new snippets, an almost Burgosian jumble of deregulated significat. Signific. signifiers, sorry. <laughs> Some of these words. Uh, the film is cut together as if the dialogue makes sense, with no stylistic cuteness revealing that it's a wind up. It's as if the world has finally gone crazy and conversations in random porno films have become divorced from even the most basic reality. Franco is satirizing or is satirizing his own work here, knowing that the garbled jabbering that intercedes between sex scenes might as well be Martian for all the some sections of the audience care. Number 10. Franco himself intrudes frequently into shot. We see him reflected in mirrors while sitting behind the camera, entering the frame to give instruction playing a character within the narrative, and at last, in a Oberorus moment that seems to swallow the tale of his bad reputation, filming himself in a mirror by means of an out-of-focus zoom. Nice! So he's films himself in a mirror, mirror shot, and out-of-focus zoom. Nice. Out-of-focus shot and zoom, so three. Frivolous experimentalism. Yes, in a sense, but it's also possibly the strangest game ever played in the context of commercial sex cinema, and taken in relation to its context and likely audience, the film played four years in the porno cinemas of Barcelona, Madrid, and Valencia. It constitutes a radicalism of sorts, and, and for all the fun and games, one senses an element of sardonic innu lying beneath. For instance, in the search for new ways of showing sex, Franco creates one's especially bizarre conjoinment involving Lena Romay and Tony Skios, and the two of them kissing passionately while another man's leg scissors awkwardly around their necks. 
it's the sort of shot a director would snip at an orgy scene because the audience would probably burst out laughing. Arousal and copulation are satirized, are satirized, and so is violence. Torture, ever the spice in Franco's sexy, sexy arson, arsenal, makes an appearance, but here it's in the form of Rome tied to a chair, being poked by a nude couple wielding a canteen knife and fork. The detective films Franco loves so much are also parodied as Skios pulls a roll of microfilm out of Rome's snatch, declaring it to be plans for a new kind of submarine. It's described as an overground submarine, a deliberately ludicrous detail that suggests the kind of absurdity one scribbles in a dream diary. Not for the first time, I find myself wondering if Franco kept a dream diary, or, at the very least, wrote down his dreams on a notepad by the bed. It would explain a lot when it comes to his bizarre and ecliptal plots and frequently hilarious non-sequitur dialogue. Note, too, that the devil is back after a five-year absence. Yes. Last scene, sticking it to Susan Hemingway in Love Letters of a Portuguese Nun. Here, he's a nude dancer wearing a dime-store devil mask who prances around doing high kicks before pulling off his mask to reveal nothing. A blank screen. I'm not sure, but I think this might be a statement. All of which brings us back to the idea of sexual alienation. And yes, in a film about sexual aliens, the implied pun is surely intentional. Alienation is expressed through the rote repetition of dialogue, the reduction of speech to chanting or nonsense, and the verbatim repetition of actions and scenarios. The aliens reproduce the aliens' reproductive processes take nine seconds from penetration to birth of a baby, removing any semblance of desire. Blank faced robotic humanoids fuck as if on some ritualized production line. They don't do it too bad for aliens, says one of the onlookers, all of whom are wearing joke store rubber fright masks. It's too bad that they look so weird. Visually, the film inhabits the familiar Franco world of anonymous hotel rooms and bland verandas, lobbies and bars, and tourist nowheres. The standout scene as a drunken Rome talking about the art of flirtation, while eye contact between the other three actors make it clear that they're toying with her behind her back. There's something fantastically paranoid and disturbing about this scene, as Rome, the liveliest and least pretentious of actresses, plays the unwitting dupe in a room that, despite the view from the window over sunny Benny Dorham, has suddenly turned chilly. Quietly as to a surge, a surge quietly as if to assuage her anxiety, Franco then films her fingering herself on a bed while drinking mineral water. The scene goes on and on to a Warholian degree, but its peaceful sense of reality amid malign surrounding artifice earns the space it occupies. Nice. All right. Finally, El Sexo Esteloco certainly lives up to its title. The film has a slippery, unstable quality, the product of a highly developed mind with a wayward, capricious wit. Dashed off as per usual, as per usual, during another busy year, it's far from rigorous, but then who would ever expect rigor from Franco? It's simultaneously the artiest and the silliest of his films, and it plays equally well as a postmodern deconstruction of his work or a party hour send-up. A frivolous curio masquerading as jaundiced self-parody, or is the other way around. 
Franco's contrarian impatience with the art film game would never allow him to opt for one without the other, and it suits the structural conceit of this film for the answer to be undecidable. In the end, the film exists because sex is crazy, art is crazy, and Jess Franco is crazy. You're here. All right. Uh, Franco on screen. Playing himself, Franco avoids all the potential pitfalls of posing or pretensions. Cool, calm, collected, no showboating, no screeching at the cast, no mugging to the camera. Oh, and he wears a nice leather jacket. It makes a change to see him looking so smart. Music. Among music cues from recent films, such as Abersones Sexuales de una Major Casada, Eugenie, Her History and Perversion, Two Female Spies with Flowered Panties, and La Chicas de Copacabanas, the latter a lovely version of the main theme played on electrically treated violin and acoustic guitar, were treated to long passages of improvised keyboard drawn from the same sessions that yielded the score for Abrasonis. Some of the material also turned up later in the equally delirious and hallucinatory Macumba Sexual. Locations. The most astounding location is the flying saucer seen at the end of the film. It's actually a nightclub, still open today, on the outskirts of Benidorm. Uh, visit www.kubenidorm.es for details. Kubendorm. Uh, the majority of the hotel-based shooting took place at the Hotel Cervantes on Cala de Panto in Benidorm. Uh, a poster on the wall advertises the Alicante bullring known as La Plaza de Paquito Espala. Connections. All right, this thing's the last thing. Yep, okay, finishing up here. The last time Franco played so deliberately with the technical conceits of cinema was in Necronomicon. I'm sorry, Necronomicon. I thought it was always Necronomicon. That's funny. Necronomicon. Yeah, Necronomicon. But even there, he didn't go so far to deconstruct the film itself. One is also reminded of Franco's first film, Tinimos Etineos which the narrators, two teenage girls, prove inherently capricious and unreliable. Recasting events in in their lives to fit their whims and their fluctuating opinion of the other participants. Probably 45 minutes into the film, Lena Romay cries while looking into a mirror whose reflection reveals Franco filming the scene. His eye pressed to the camera. Juan Solar hovers beside him holding a light meter. This is as clear an indication as we are ever likely to see on how the films of the period were actually shot. The rubber fright masks worn by the audience at the sex show and later by the adherents of the Temple of Cucufate recall the masks at the sex party, which ended in an unwitting incest in 1978's cocktail special. El Sexo Este Loco is the first Franco film to acknowledge the existence of videotape, the format that would see the end of Franco cinema its rebirth as home entertainment, and the beginning of his cult reputation. The dialogue here takes on a multi-layered quality, prophetic even, as the quadrilateral married couple stare at the TV screen on which a video has just ended, leaving rolling bars of static. Wow, it's finished, says Romay over a shot of video fuzz. She may as well have been talking about cinema. Here begins the end. That was short, huh? Of course, says Skivos. Everything good. Lasts a short while. 
Videotape was the new frontier of early 1980s entertainment, and Franco's films were among the first to appear in the new medium. A feature about the phenomenon in Le Film Francois, dated January 15, 1982, lists a number of titles currently available. Among them were Franco's uh, Lorna the Exorcist, Sadist Notre Dame, and uh, Virgin Among Living Dead, plus uh, Zombie Lake. A month later, on February 82, two more Franco films were included in the follow-up article in the same magazine, 15-Year-Old Captain and Demons. The planet Archelos was probably named after a region of Greek situated in the eastern part of the Peloponnesia Peninsula, which uh, Peloponnesia was mentioned in uh, Girls Copacabana. No, I'm sorry, in um, Oh, What a Honeymoon. He's read the book in the beginning about that when he sees Lena on the beach with the stream bikini. So, all right, so that's that. Let me hit some plugs real quick because I've always kind of been forgetting these lately. Uh, there's a donation button, of course, on the um, Red Circle page. If you care to donate either one time or monthly or whatever you feel, I would appreciate it. Uh, there's also a download. Please download the episodes as you like and have them on your device forever. And also subscribe if you can. That way, every Wednesday morning at the same time, you will have a episode ready for you to listen and hopefully enjoy. Uh, we are on all your favorite platforms, place 10 or 15 so far, so happy with all that. Uh, of course, uh, Apple and Amazon and Stitcher and uh, quite a few. Um, all right, and uh, tell a friend about the show. If you like the show, tell people about it. Let other people know about it. Let this uh, podcast thrive and continue. And uh, we all want to have a cool club, but we also need more members in our cool club. So tell everybody. I appreciate it. Uh, share the news. Um, FrancoObserver.com or Franco Observer Podcast. Uh, let's see. Franco Observer, you can get hold of us at the Frank. I'm sorry. You can get hold of us at just Franco Observer at Yahoo.com. That's Franco Observer at Yahoo.com. Uh, we also have an Instagram page, the Franco Observer Podcast. Look us up, add us, and you'll see all the new pictures and news of Desperate Visions and the Franco Observer Podcast. Uh, also have a Facebook page as well. And uh, so, yeah, that's all that good stuff there. Got that out of the way. Um, hang out past the bumper. And uh, I'm going to hit stop on this. And I'm going to watch The Sex is Crazy for the first time. Looking forward to it, actually, especially after reading this thing. I watched a few minutes last night to kind of get an idea. And uh, it looked amazing. I already crossed off a few things off the Franco list in the very beginning. It was like a sex or a stripping scenes on stage mirror shots and other things. I was laughing. So yeah, I, I know I'm going to enjoy it of course. And reading this makes me look even more forward to it. So hang out past the bumper music and, uh, Collie and I will tell you our thoughts on the sex is crazy. And she's a good person to talk about crazy sex with. Witness no chase amigo. Maha. We are back on episode 95, a film 95. The sex is crazy. You jumped the gun there. So you you uh, hit orgasm before I did. Yeah, I was going to say, El Sexo Este Loco. <laughs> crazy sex. Who's, I think of, when I think of the words crazy and sex, I think Kali. So we have Kali here today with us. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is funny because the first time I watched this, actually, like I didn't have subs for it. And I just played it on a loop this one night that I was like really drunk and having various men over. And it was just sort of playing in the background. And so I kind of had it like sort of marked as watched. But since I'd never had seen the I, I didn't know the the words I never read the subtitles because I didn't have them then it was just kind of this I had a, this idea of what the movie was about so it was really cool to actually watch the movie today so you, <laughs> so the several guys over was that a pito one pito two pito three pito yes, four exactly exactly chichi one chichi two chichi three chichi I had a lot four. of nine second babies that night yeah 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 that was pretty funny <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, all right. Well, before we talk about the film, I'm going to kind of go over a few little notes uh, about the movie, but not about the movie uh, kind of beforehand to prep it. This is interesting because this is like a deconstruction type film. And Franco's done this a few times with like Necronomicon and his first film, uh, Tinimos 18 Anos and the um, Grand Emma Deuces and a few other films where they're like looking at the camera and going back and breaking that fourth wall. Um, it's weird. There's so it's, much fourth wall breaking in this. Oh, it's weird. Totally. And it's weird. It starts off as like a sexy sci-fi comedy. Then it turns into like a paranoid crime drama. Then it turns to a horror film. Then it goes to a comedy. Then it goes into a deconstruction porno type film where it's all the other stuff, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of joke masks in this, which go back to cocktail special and uh, everything else, which is pretty crazy. Exercising um, their demons. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, <laughs> there's other things i'll talk about when we get to the films with the mask that i caught it was really really funny um uh let's see they have um what do i have here i have um microphone oh yeah it's funny there's a uh this, there's uh um the devil returns in this film uh first appearance of the devil since uh love letters of a portuguese nun and then we see the devil mask again in cocktail special where the woman running the orgy is, is uh, uh, wearing the devil's mask. And in this, you have a skinny guy dancing around. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll talk about what it means behind the mask when we get to that point of the film. But yeah. uh, and then we have also um, Lena's paranoid anxiety um, with the fingering session, which I had talked about before we got on this podcast, which was very p- similar to um, Mulholland Drive, which was kind of interesting. Um, and, uh, which is funny because, um, sex is crazy. Art is crazy. And Franco is crazy is what I, uh, read. And that's totally, totally true too. And that's like the whole theme of the film. Um, also the music on this, it takes from, um, Eugenie, her journey into perversion, which is a film coming up, uh, two female spies. They use that theme all the way through the whole thing. Um, the uh, Feelings of Copacabana, they use a lot of that music in here. And then music from the next film, Sexual Apparitions of a Married Woman, uh, Cecilia. Um, and what's last thing is pretty cool, or two last things. Uh, it's first appearance of videotape in a Jess Franco film of like a VCR and videotape. And that would be a huge next point in Franco's career of all of his films coming on videotape and becoming the cult guy that he is and all that. So it's interesting. That was another thing too with Mulholland Drive, people watching the episodes on tape and being in the movie and the switching and all that stuff. And what's crazy, this was made in 1980, and Franco shot eight films in 1980. He shot uh, four films in 78, four films in 79, shot eight films in 1980, and then shot seven films in 81, and nine films in 82. So in those five years, he made 32 films, which is pretty fucking crazy. 
He's so, a prolific man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, let's see. Uh, and also, too, uh, before we get into the film, uh, today, Severin just announced that they are putting out two more Franco films on Blu-ray. So, wow. Yeah, and uh, others and uh, um, uh, Mansion of the Living Dead. So yeah. that actually adds up to eight Franco so films cool. now coming out on Blu-ray in the next month or two. You got Faceless coming out on Blu-ray from Severin, Macumba Sexual, and Mansion of the Living Dead. You got uh, Vinegar Syndrome put out and sold out in three hours, and I didn't get it from them, which pissed me off, is uh, Burning Up Inside. Came out Friday, and that sold out in three hours, 1,000 copies, unannounced. But I got it through Pulse, so that's cool. And then also uh, the two female or the two um, Red Lips films are coming out on Blu-ray and then the other side of the mirror and Dark Mission. So that's eight films coming out in the next two months of Just Franco. Sweet. Yeah. So people are waking up now to Just Franco again. So yeah. That's, that's yeah really he's cool. having his moment, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's crazy. It's like all these it's all happening. Exactly. So we are on the we're always ahead of the curve. So that's always nice to be. So. <laughs> all right. So now let's talk about this film. The sex is crazy. So you had said you had seen this before without the original language. And this is your second time watching it and with the uh, subtitles. And what did you think? Uh, oh, it was much more fun to know what they were saying, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Although it was much more fun the first time I watched it in my life. But, um, but it was like, right, all the surprises and everything. Yeah. And, you know, the men. But um, but yeah, uh, um, it was actually really funny because I had a friend um, who is uh, she's like a new friend. She's a friend from work and we hung out last night and then she crashed at mine. And this morning I was like, I have to take this podcast tonight. So I got to watch this movie. And um, and she was like, oh, I want to watch the movie. And I was like, well, it, I mean, it's kind of I don't know if you ever heard of Jess Franco. And she totally had no clue. You know, she's normal. Right. right. And, and uh, so I was like trying to kind of explain all this until we felt. And then like as we're watching it, you know, it's like it's just getting weirder and weirder and sexier and crazier. And I was like, you know, come over to my place and watch a movie, she said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So did like, she like it or did she dislike it or what was her thought on she it? She loved it actually, good, but it was good. like I think that it was a it was a, a unique experience for her. She was like, "Wow, this is crazy!" And she's like, "I didn't know they made movies like this." You know, it was like it was That's it was a good one of those, way to say um, that. I like that. Yeah, it was it was fun to be like, "Yeah, he's got a couple hundred more too." <laughs> yeah, this is a good film as a doorway into Franco because it's not like really mean. I mean, there's some odd stuff to it, but it's not a very downbeat film. It's very upbeat. Everybody's having a good time in it. It's got the joy of filmmaking. It's very independent, very low. What's that with aliens? Yeah, aliens, <laughs> a lot of stuff. So the break of right. the fourth wall stuff too is like extra weird, you know. Like I mean, especially when Franco. I know it's getting ahead, but when Franco looks at himself in the mirror filming, and oh yeah, yeah, right into himself. It's like, but that's the thing is, is actually even Mara caught on to it as we were watching it. it was like she was. Um, you know, noticing that, like, like it's, she said that it seemed like he was creating the world that he wanted there to be. Like he was, he was trying to make the world the world that he wanted. Right, telling people to say, "I'm like, yeah, you totally get it." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. controlling your universe. So that's 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 a really good, really good insight. Um, so yeah, what's funny is right off the bat we get a spinning disco ball in the beginning, and then we get this kind of computerized Franco voice. <laughs> and then we see all the uh, robot people and uh, the monster masks. And all of a sudden, it clicked in my head. Okay, this is 1980. This is Franco's Star Wars. You have, like, this is his cantina. Oh, my God. All the, all the guys in the monster mask are, like, the cantina scene. 
the spinning ball is like the Death Star in the beginning because that first shot's a close up of the spinning ball and it's like the Death Star. And I was like, oh, that's like the Death Star here. And all these other. Star Wars had come out years before that, though. Yeah, like three years, but the whole sci fi and stuff. You know, sci fi was popular still. People were cashing in sci fi. So that was his little. Plus, Jess Frank was Yoda. So, and I think they were making like Empire Strikes Back. Well, you know that, right? You know the story behind that. What? No. Oh, my God. No, go online after we wrap and look up Jess Franco Yoda on YouTube or whatever. Yeah, no, it's based on the truth. Uh, the guy who designed or one of the uh, guys who illustrated it before Frank Ozen that was uh, assistant with Franco and worked with him on films. And on an interview, Franco talks about it on one of the Severn Blu-ray discs. And the guy saw him in the street and said, oh, are you mad at me? And Franco said, no, for what? He goes, oh, because I, I, I drew Yoda on you and, and you are Yoda. And, and the little short guy that's the guru that's like the master that has all this knowledge and everybody learns from him and my brain just exploded yeah look at and, and look at yoda and then look <laughs> at franco amazing. i love that so much yeah no that's oh totally God. i used look to be able to do the him. yoda voice perfectly when i was a kid and my dad actually got me like a yoda mask like the perfect like a really realistic yoda mask right, i remember those and when i, I was short like i used to wear the little brown like you know i had this whole outfit and i would run around the house like a short little yoda and i would talk in yoda voice and he'd like i was like the party favor for whenever their friends came over i would be yoda and that was like i could yeah yeah and mix up all the words i could do it perfectly and i was like this little like and then to hear that that's jess that just like it makes me feel so connected to jess Good. yeah no totally seriously after we wrap this go on and do a google search so just franco this. yoda you and just you'll totally see. made my day such good so yeah so we had the whole death star we got because what made me think of it because at first i just saw the disco ball and the robots and that but when i saw the monster masks and the way they were sitting and the way he was shooting them it was almost like the cantina scene in the first star wars i was like that kind of looks like him doing a dime store cantina scene of and they're talking about them being aliens and all that shit you don't know if they're regular people are supposed to be aliens watching this or weird worshippers, devil worshippers or aliens they're supposed to be both you know yeah. so yeah that's like his cantina scene that's what i caught from it at least you know and but whole, sexy yeah exactly that, that, this is actually how i described jess franco to tomorrow was i was like like there'll be like a spy thing or a monster thing or whatever thing but make it sexy yeah exactly <laughs> like, but make it sexy and so this is star wars but make it sexy <laughs> Yeah, just Franco. Because, yeah, then, then, you know, then Lena's having nine second babies because apparently, like, that's how long it takes for the baby to gestate is nine seconds. And so, like, a guy goes and slams her really fast, and it, it, like, alien dude. Yeah, let's like, talk about that because I have that written down. I have Lena's impregnation oh, oh. scene. I liked how she made her stomach go up and down to show yeah. that she was giving birth. <laughs> the next guy would do like nine pumps or a six pumps or whatever. So but, funny. But it was great, though, because Franco and it's funny. OK, so this is um, on the Franco list, dance scenes on stage stripping. So this is his stage show because everybody applauds and it's a show that's supposed to be for, you know, the alien guys watching. But it's funny that he'll take something like nudity and stuff, sex, and he'll make it totally unsexy. You know, he had her laying there and they're counting down like with no no thrill or passion, just accounting and impregnating next, boom, 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 next, boom, 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 next. And the whole voice, the monotone. And it's funny because Franco loves doing strip scenes and making them just so bizarre. And this is another case of him making a bizarre strip stripping sequence, you know? All right. But no, it's great. And they have the mirror shots, of course. And, uh, 
instead of jungle sound effects, you have the Franco doing the voices of the computers and all that stuff. Um, so, uh, yeah, so we have the four female and the four male robots, which remind me of um, Attack of the Robots as well, where they're just like the robots coming out, but now they're nude, you know, instead of just wearing glasses um, or Dr. Orloff or any of those. Um, so, and then also, yeah, it's not erotic. Um, and also, too, I like that the guys and women were silver, like his version of Frankenstein, where he had the Frankenstein all in silver paint, silver body paint. I thought that was pretty interesting. And um, go ahead. No, I just said, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we had like first nudity right off the bat, 50 seconds. I don't know if it was male or female. They both kind of happened at the same time. So, you know. Um, yeah. So, yeah, the four, four male nudities. Female. Which don't show sure a lot. Female. <laughs> um, and there were lots of boobies right at the beginning. Yeah, totally. The wigs and the whole countdown sequence. And then um, I noticed, too, oh, Lena's Chris. wearing her red robe again, I think, from Oh, What a Honeymoon, the one with the little dragon thing on the back, which is yeah. makeup. So I caught that was pretty cool. And then uh, I liked the scene of, uh, okay, yeah, there was a lady that was referred to as Linda. She's the producer's uh, girlfriend, and they keep showing her as like, a, as like a scene to cut to, like with a voiceover. This is Linda. She's the producer's girlfriend. She's happy to be in this film. And they show her just posing. And then it cuts back to the thing. It's like, what the fuck? It's like a non sequitur. Yeah. And that lady looked like um, Montestret Prouse, who's in uh, Sinner. And she's in um, um, uh, Signs of the Tombs and Eyes of Dr. Orloff. And that, that gal reminded me of her. It wasn't her, though, but it looked like her. That's <laughs> might have been. Um, and then we have a great shot, uh, number four. Or, yeah, palm trees. Actually, I'll go through the list later. But uh, we have a nice shot of, a, of a Alina on the toilet where she's all dressed up and elegant and sexy. And the guy goes, well, if people can see you now as you're being natural or whatever. And she's just smiling, looking sexual, pissing on the toilet. Yeah, I love her um, her sequined um, uh, like belly wrap thing that she had. What, yeah, that blue that top that she wrap. wears. Yeah, like no, just just the, the she she was she was naked except for she had that sequin band. Oh yeah, yeah, right. Okay, yeah, that's before. You're right. You're right. That was great. I loved like that was like all she was wearing was like her. I mean, she had like her little lingerie on, but her little right. her little. I guess that maybe that was a garter belt, like a yeah. She had a garter belt and, and uh, garter belt yeah. stockings, and then uh, topless, and then with the wig, of course, and then her. Little, yeah, that's hot uh, stuff. Her little jewel on her on her chin. Yeah, that was re- the part where I was explaining to Mara that this is the most beautiful woman and the coolest woman to have ever lived, and going off and you know telling her all about Lena Rame, and it was great that she was wearing that for my my. Yeah, speech. yeah, no, it's good. And there's there's and this is a good <laughs> Lena film. I mean, she's Lena's fucking good in this. Yeah, um, she's awesome. So uh, wig, she's got the Marilyn wig going. Yeah, and I was trying to count if she has one blonde wig or two because in one it looked like it was flipped, and there's a scene later where she almost has like a bird's nest type wig, where it's kind of all curled like in a circle, and it's really cool. Like later on in the film, I don't know, maybe it's a yeah. second wig or what, but yeah, I think there's a couple. Yeah, really, really cool wigs. Um, so uh, we have uh, after Lena Toy that we have the we have a uh, a, a repeat visit to the carnival from uh, Oh, when a honeymoon and from um, uh one other film, but uh, Oh, What a Honeymoon, because they go in the carnival, and there's that boat right there, and the boat was where Franco was out front, and he got killed in that movie, and then oh, also, man. too, the club that we've seen with the ball, spitting ball, that's the club where the DJ was in, and he gives, gives the note to Franco and stuff, and that club's used in a few films as well. I totally recognize that. And, of course, the carnival where we see earlier in the other film is daylight, and here they shoot at night, but mostly just that location of the boat and going into the carnival. Um, 
And then we have. Uh, I like how they, when they got there, they were just like driving through, you know, I guess Spain and, you know, like the, in 1981 or whatever, like that. Just, I, I was commenting about that, like how cool it was, just like the. Oh, really, yeah, all the night lights and the city uh, and stuff. Yeah, just getting to see that is just so, so cool. I don't know. Yeah, it was, it was nice. I like that. Also, too, not to jump in, but uh, I recorded the synopsis before this because the synopsis is basically like two pages. It tells you like this happened, this happened because there's so this film is so just like mm-hmm. stuff happening. I was like, oh my god, it's okay. Because if I sat there, it would be like five minutes, and like okay, now back to you, you know. Yeah, a bit so, overwhelming. Yeah, <laughs> as we're going through, I'm like, oh yeah, I gotta, I gotta say that. Um, so yeah, what's interesting, and then uh, we have a scene of uh, Lena tied up and tortured um, with a uh, well, a lady is like kind of masturbating, and a guy is kind of like getting angry watching. And that kind of reminded me of like a David Lynch scene of like that guy's like, ah, ah, and the lady's just like rubbing herself with a cigarette. And the guy's like kind of stabbing the girl and getting her all crazy and stuff. It was, it was pretty funny. I like that scene. Yeah. I like how they had a fork and a knife at her. Pussy. Yeah. <laughs> like they were going to eat it, you know, <laughs> but like, oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah. You're right. Eat her stab that. <laughs> but it was like, they stab her, stab her. And she just kept screaming. But like, I liked when she came up and she was like, gonna, you know, like, I mean, before she got tied up and she goes up to Antonio and she's all raging on him. Cause I mean, he did just like give her a, he, he tried to drug her with, yeah, the, he tried to drug her. So pain. she would go to sleep because he wanted to go out and do his business. And he was, yeah, but he's like, but she was like immune to it or something. And she Faking goes it, to like yeah. attack him with this gun. And I love how Jess is like, he's acting in it and he's just like so bored of her. And he's just like, Oh my God, make her stop. And she's just being the drama queen. And he's like, Oh, she gets off like this when she's, you know, jealous or whatever. And then she's like, I'm going to kill myself and she's like holding the gun on herself and they're all just like oh my god jess goes do it like that was great yeah it's almost like it's a real life thing kind of like a midnight party or something as well I was thinking about watching that you know where it's just kind of like you're not sure if it's about lena and jess and everybody or if it's the movie or what you know it's that cool little inside stuff you're like i wonder you know yeah yeah goofy stuff um but yeah i like that go ahead yeah, then they tie her up and they're going to eat her with their fork and knife and her pussy or whatever. But do we, I, I, don't, I, I just love so much that they found the microchip in there in her microfilm vagina. microfilm in her vagina. Yeah, that yeah. was that was amazing for a above ground <laughs> submarine, which is a car <laughs> <laughs> or a tank or whatever. Right? The submarine is to go under submarine underwater. So an above ground submarine is, a, you know, whatever. Marine. So, yeah. It's funny. And during this time, you have, a, uh, you have a lot of film within a film. It keeps going back and forth of you see the reflections of people in the mirrors. Jess Franklin's walking in and out of shots. You see the cameraman. The assistants are coming in, doing the makeup, going back. They're doing scenes twice. It's kind of you're trying to, like you were saying earlier. Well, yeah, we should have mentioned that the the alien thing was actually a, a theater production, apparently, like for the demons or something, right? Like the, that whole first opening scene, like thing. yeah, they're kind of applauding us for like these masked aliens that are watching. Yeah, yeah, it's like nothing is really making sense. It was I don't know, which makes sense because like that's a movie scene that later on when we see those people watching the videotape, like they were watching that scene of robots and aliens watching because it's such a and even in the beginning there's that little thing that says hey any any coincidence with the story is is not true because 
this is based on, and if you really live like this, blah, blah, blah. And like, this is a story about two couples getting into an adult film and, and the experiences they have, you know, it's like a weird kind of a forewarning in the beginning. It's a strange, strange development though. Yeah. Everything go. Yeah. It's weird. And then right after this, another weird scene is one of my favorite scenes. And to me, this is like a talking parrot scene. You have Lena and the guy driving in a car Oh my god, what is that about? So fucking weird. So fucking weird. Yeah. (laughs) It's just out of nowhere. It's like, why are you doing this? Yeah, yeah. Like it's like they they intentionally try to find the worst possible voice that they can. It doesn't make any sense. And then it gets even weirder when she starts having sex on him in the car. Oh yeah, and they're going real slow. He's driving like one mile an hour. It's like, just stop the car. What are you doing? (laughs) And I love how there's like, you know, people on the street watching, and they're definitely not like Actors. Oh yeah, you see him up like, on the right, the old man and woman are kind of like pointing, like <laughs> hey, he started there and he went to there. Yeah, you totally see him watching. Like they're right. filming a porno in the middle of the street. <laughs> but the guy's got his pants on too. I mean, he's riding him, you know, which is still, but yeah, yeah. It's I mean, well, I mean, even like when the aliens are having sex, you can see that their dicks are limp and yeah. and like and they're like doing like uh what are those called push-ups over her? You know, right, right, right. Like they're they you can see he's not even touching his dick in her, and 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 it's it's a limp silver dick, and she's just like oh oh like she's getting kids. Like, right, right. So much just like make believe, like flat out make believe in this. It's like they're not even trying to pretend it's real. No, it's like a movie, and you're supposed to be watching a movie, and it's weird it's like the whole movie within a movie thing where it's like you know it's fake and it's like fake acting and then real acting and reality and everything else it's kind of (laughs) interesting yeah so then we get into uh actually uh where we have the all the couples start hooking up lena and her guy and this redheaded woman her guy and they have like this big four-way orgy of the two couples. And it's funny. So they start playing this like old time music over the scene, like a, like a piano, kind of an old. Vaudeville. Yeah. I kind of kept commenting like, what is with this like campy, like sex comedy music when it's not really like funny at all. The, the story, I mean, it's kind of wacky, but it's not like, it's not, you know, one of his like sex comedies. So it's, the music was really kind of like jarring. Like what, why really? Yeah, It's almost like his take off of porn Crisis. music. Like, okay, here's a sex scene. Now you gotta have some, porn music and this is his porn music he's trying to show like it's outdated maybe or something is my guess on the style of music so weird and this face so you have seen first though we're like maybe i'm mixing the the linearity of it up but the i i liked how like should they go out to the beach like rock thing oh that's coming up yeah okay that was okay i thought that that was yeah because first they have sex in the bed and he has like this kind of leg lock around her leg and he zooms in on this weird leg lock position. And it's really odd. And I read that a lot of times you'd see that shot. They wouldn't use that, but he was like purposely zooming in on weird positions they were doing. And then the music ends and they go outside and he plays this soft music. And then you see them standing against the wall and then it comes back into and then that music comes on again. And they're like fucking against the wall, which is funny. The butts out out in public, you know, uh, before they get to the rock thing. Yeah, yeah, it's like as soon as they catch the that was wasn't that spawned by the rock thing? I thought because like like first like they see Lena having sex oh they might yeah you're you're right you're right you're right the woman like she gets her her she's she gets her bifocal thing out or whatever and 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 well before that though you see her on the well yeah Lena's cool she's standing that's a really good fucking shot actually I'm sorry yeah that was a great shot so Lena it's weird it's a weird uh, transition shot 
she's standing on like a balcony and she goes out and looks and then she sits down and then it like transforms into her sitting on the rocks outside and she stands up and then it goes really far back and you see her like really far in the distance it's a really great shot she stands up and then the guy joins her then you see the couple watching them the guy and the girl way out there and then you go back and forth yeah then they hook up yeah, once once she sees them and then she's like, ooh, when she was, she's like, watch this sexy thing. And then she gets her guy to watch and then like they get all horny. And then that like sets off like the that's when we started saying like, this is like the world that Jess Franco wants to make because like he sees like it's like you they they're being voyeurs and watching, you know, Lena right. have sex and that inspires them to want to have sex, which inspires everyone to start having sex. And then there's like mad orgies happening everywhere. And I think that was like so meta because I think that's why Jess makes these films is that he wants us to watch Lena having sex and then he wants to make everybody who's watching his movie be inspired to have sex. It's a good point. Actually, I never thought about that, but that's that's very, very which valid. also makes it super cool. That the first time that I watched this, I was having sex. Yeah. <laughs> See, it's all so meta. It all comes full circle. Sorry, um, I had to. Well, that's why which is the film does come full circle in the end. So <laughs> it uh, does. It does. Yeah. 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 So, um, but before that, we have uh, the four from fucking outside we talked about, and then they have a four way marriage, which is kind of really ahead of its time, and it's something that I don't know might maybe come in the future. I think the way things are with who knows you know but except it's it's weird like i was like excited about it because it was like polyamory or whatever but yeah, then yeah. it's strange because the actual marriage um only the men marry the women the women do not marry each other the men do not marry each other only the men oh, the say that they will take the women as their wives and the women to say that they will take the men as their husbands okay which you know and then later on when they catch the two wives you know hooking up they're like mad at them about it as though they're not married you know it was like they were like oh we're gonna punish you but of course punishment means sex but but i mean it was like that was like an interesting i was like oh so they're not even supposed to hook up like that was like weird right because they switch partners after a while and stuff in the bed yeah like they they can have like Lena can be with either man and right, the woman can be with either again. man, but they can't be with each other, which is like see now see because I wasn't sure if Lena was <laughs> I wasn't sure if Lena was cheating with her co-wife or if she was cheating on another woman. I wasn't sure who that no that was, was her co-wife. oh that was her co-wife okay yeah the redheaded woman okay I wasn't sure because yeah, that was totally the co-wife and I, I was like what they're mad at them you think they'd be like yeah party <laughs> that's funny it was kind of weird yeah. And like we have uh, Franco's voice again. He does the voiceover for the minister. You hear that? He's like doing the, the Franco voice as the minister. And the minister is the assistant cameraman, Juan Solar, the guy that was the minister in that. And you see him in the film, too, uh, behind the camera. Um, okay, so then, yeah. And then we have the two female spies theme again comes on um, during the sex scenes with the two couples. And... Uh, we have uh, one of my things, uh, number 29, reading a book in bed. You have the four of them reading comic books in bed, which was kind of a cool shot. Yeah. Um, we got 10 minutes. So, yeah. Uh, so we got uh, them reading the comic books in bed, all four, which I dug. Um, and then I mentioned Lena's cool wig with the kind of the uh, ring around it. Um, I and, think like uh, their, their face sitting oranges are really worth mentioning. Like, I, I like that part about. Yeah. Yeah. I actually go on about that. You can think. <laughs> 
I just just that it that you know they've got like the you know they're, they're doing the 69 thing and it's like full on like you know they're writing the guy's faces which is you don't see that in right. those days that was like I was like whoa they're like dual face sitting like that's pretty rad while you know 69ing it was like they were really just going for it and I don't know that was hot I was happy also too that. before the scene Lena says something very un PC which I was laughing at she was talking about the guy's fashion. She says, oh, your shirt looks like it was made by a Maracone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <like>, Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> like a fag. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. There's like a lot of like kind of, I mean, but that, I mean, I didn't That's think it's a 70s, 80s. Weird, though, yeah. Because it's just like acknowledging that like, yeah, fashion is usually made by gay men. Right, gay guys. Right, right. Exactly. But, but just fine. Just, just <laughs> and like Lena saying it too. You're like, whoa. Just all of a sudden her just like, it's like her dropping yeah. the N-bomb or something out of nowhere. You're just like, wow, okay. <laughs> Well, yeah, she was saying it wasn't sexy enough or whatever. And so then, like, she's like, yeah, well, it was designed by a faggot or whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, well, I mean, because he doesn't care. I mean, but at the same time, that's silly because they do usually make the best, the sexiest clothes for yeah, women. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, then just, a- and then right after that, we have a scene I really like a lot where Lena's wearing the cool wig and she's, like, sipping on her mineral water and she's, like, doing the magic tongue on the bottle and she's, like, masturbating and just crying and it's just such a beautiful see i really like that scene a lot not in a sexual way just as a concept and how it was filmed and it's really really good yes we we discussed before the thing about how crying while masturbating is definitely one of the that that is a key like uh uh, that's like a mood for me (laughs) (laughs) i I identify with crying while masturbating and uh there's a few magic tongue scenes too like coming up with the with the bottle and then she's with the redheaded woman the redhead woman licks her nipples and then Lena licks the other woman's nipples and then goes down on her and you see the magic tongue, like full extension, everything. It was fun talking to Mara about Lena's magic tongue. And <laughs> That's magic of her magic tongue. Yeah. It was really, so rare. I get to watch Franco with someone and it's always like, it's usually somebody that has already known Franco when I do. So it's, it was really fun today to get to like tell her all of the tropes and count them off. Yeah. It's almost like a, it's almost like a secret language or like you're a friend of yours and you're explaining to another person, oh, these are, this is all these inside jokes. And these are these little things that we talk about and you know, now you know what it is, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, then we have the monster mask scene number two. Uh, Frank goes a robot voice with Lena, and uh, with with that too, handwritten sign. We have the the letters on the body of the like paint for uh, oh cuckoo yeah. fate cuckoo fate. I was actually thinking of that with the handwritten sign. I love that you said that first because <laughs> yeah, you brought that up. I was like, well, there's the painted on the yeah. So that's good. We both caught that. Yeah, totally, totally. And yeah. then um, they have the naked devil man out of focus. Oh. Did you look up what that word means, by the way? Because Mars, no, it's actually super cool. It's like the god of joking or like oh. the spirit of joking or something like that. It's like, it's all about joking. Like the, the, whatever that word was again, but, but yeah. Cuckoo like, fates. Yeah. Cuckoo fates is like, a, that's, a, that's like about like the deity of the joke or something like that. And it was like, it's all in jest and, and yeah. And there was like some other, um, uh, saint or something that got brought up and then that one was yeah because they say uh, cousin Beelzebub and uncle lucifer they mentioned yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, there's like several references that are pretty pretty funny if you like because she she got all into like looking it up and wanted to know what it meant that's cool that's interesting she kept trying to figure out what everything meant and i kept being like don't overthink it too much it's franco it's it's kind of all nonsense it's all right, it's, it's, it's what you want to make it you know exactly <laughs> Uh, so we have the David, the naked devil man. And actually this scene. So it's funny. We have a scene where Lena's 
getting uh, kind of like impregnated by the devil, which is a scene similar to the beginning with the robots. And it's also reminiscent of um, Rosemary's Baby, which is one of my favorite films. And the whole scene of Lena being held down, the one with the dagger above her is like a satanic scene. And the people holding her down, the devil is getting ready to mount her and coming in on her and stuff. But it's funny. So we see the devil. He takes off his mask and it's black, which has little Franco's thing saying the devil doesn't exist. The devil's fake. So that's yeah. his little thing saying it's all I don't I'm, I'm not there. I'm not anybody. Yeah, because you're supposed to exercise your demons, but they're not actually demons. Yeah, There's exactly. Wrong with sex. It's his way of saying I'm sex positive. <laughs> yeah, also too, also too, leaving just the image of the devil saying the devil's made up. It's not a real thing. Like Jesus yeah. or the God. It's not. It's it's just a concept. Yeah. You know? Guilt and shame. So, yeah, and exactly. Um. Yeah, and I had that scene with going back to the. Uh, uh, oh yeah, and then we have second part of Lena reading a book. She's reading a porn mag where she's going back and forth thinking about everything, and she's reading the porn mag while she's masturbating again, which was a good scene. And uh, uh, then we have another car scene, which is weird. Lena going back with a guy, and he's talking about Friday the Thirteenth, Mel Brooks, and, uh, and he's talking about Lena's divorce, like indirectly. He's like, "Oh yeah, then she got divorced, and this and that and stuff." And he gave the best years. I was like, "Whoa!" It's kind of an interesting little like you know parallel to reality there yeah yeah there, yeah there was like some and there was some part too where there's like a line that says something like um i mean you know the actress she didn't get the part because the director was the you know because her her the guy she was sleeping with was the director so she was the director's boyfriend the director yeah there was the producer's girlfriend and the director's girlfriend too. yeah but he's like he's like she didn't get the part because you know she was the director's girlfriend and 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 it was kind of like this moment where you know it makes you think of lena getting the part because she's the director's girlfriend but it's like yeah like (laughs) i didn't even think about that yeah you know you're you're totally totally right that's 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 really really funny yeah um and then we get to the scene of lena being (laughs) captured by the robots uh out when they drive to go and she parks at this UFO and it's actually a real club or a restaurant I read and they talk about where it's at in the book and everything and it still exists and it's online. You can look it up and everything. Uh, and they gave the website where it's at. Uh, but yeah, you see this UFO and you see the two naked guys walk with, with barefooted on the rocks. They're carrying Lena and they're walking slow because you could tell they're like kind of hurting their feet, you know, right. As they're carrying her into the, uh, is that where they like why he shot it where the big green pole was in front of the the UFO thing? Because, yeah, that was weird. Yeah, yeah, he didn't ever get a clean shot of it. And I was like, maybe there's like a name of a bar or something like behind that green pole. And this was like his solution was just to keep, yeah, because he shoots shows from the side and he shoots from that one angle and he doesn't go straight on. Yeah, you're right. And then they go out of that, then it cuts to the beginning where. That location is another bar. That's not the UFO. It's where the mirrors are and everything. Somebody he just used that as the uh, as the uh, exterior. Um, yeah, and then we have uh, we go back to see the monsters at the very end. It says Finn, and we see the monsters watching, and they clap. And then you have the two female spies theme as it ends. And uh, yeah, it was very interesting, very interesting film. And I will say this is probably made it on like my top fifteen favorite Franco films. I really nice. like this one a lot. Yeah. yeah. Just, it's a fun one. I don't is. know if I have it that far up there. I think there's so many good ones that it's hard to say I'd put it that close to the top, but it's a fun one. I like, and yeah, I don't know. I know you're always asking my final thoughts. I just want to say that, like, the, I love that there's all the people wearing all silver because just last weekend I went to a party and I did that to myself. I put like all this. Oh, yeah, I saw that. That's right. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. So I was like, oh, that me, you know, it's always fun to see that kind of silliness, like in your life, reflect in Franco. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, most definitely. So let's see, I think we got, uh, actually let's go ahead and pause right now. And then we're going to come back and hit the checklist. Oh, okay. I thought we already <laughs> checked. No, no, I, I, I got to go through all that. So hang on. Okay. We're going to, um, do the checklist portion of the film. And I actually, uh, I have the checklist already made up, but I actually wrote a little uh, checklist that I checked off each one as I went through, a little quicker way to do it. Uh, so, yeah, number one, body of water we have. Number two and three, sailboat or boats. No boats in this film. I was shocked. A lot of body of water shots he shows. Where I was like looking, panning, no boats at all, just totally There's open the waters. There's the boat in the, um, in the, in the carnival. Yeah, I get. Yeah, you're no. right. You're right. Technically, yeah, it's not in the body of water. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, you're right. Okay, I I take that back. You're right. I mean, there's so much body of water. He does. Yeah, like, but but every I, other body of water has no boats. Now I'm shocked. I was like watching as he's panning across so many times. Yeah, I didn't think about the carnival. You are right. So there was one boat. It is a beautiful uh, the 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 one scene where he just goes over the ocean for a long time. That's oh yeah, of, so beautiful. I know, I really like that a lot. All the palm trees, nice stuff. And then number four, like you said, palm trees. Yes, plenty of palm trees in this. Uh, number, <laughs> number five, jungle sound effects. There's no jungle sound effects, but there's tons of other sound effects. The Franco robot, all the outer yeah. space, the blast off spaceship stuff, the monster yeah. stuff, the de- you know all that stuff. The groupy ro- robot voice. There's robot sounds. Yeah. It's like the weird things. It's pretty funny. We both did that together. Okay. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, okay, number six, chained up person. Yeah, we have Lena tied up to the chair where the people stab her with a fork and the knife. Yep. Uh, we have number seven, dance scenes on stage stripping. Yeah, with the robots we talked about earlier. Uh, number eight, club scenes dancing. I didn't catch any of those. Did you? No. Yeah, yeah. I didn't either. No uh, hypnosis things really, except for like you know the, he tried to drug her, but that didn't. Oh really yeah, 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 her. yeah. No, that's 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 number. What's uh, coming up? I'm uh, sorry. No, you're right. Uh, number nine, jazz music. Yeah, jazz music definitely. Number ten, excessive zooms. Number eleven, out of focus shots. Yeah, quite a few in this one of especially the funniest one like you were talking earlier. This is the total Franco joke on himself. He's like filming himself. In the mirror, you have a mirror shot, zoom, and out of focus. I'm like, yes, yes. you just hit the trifecta. <laughs> yeah, that was so meta. I loved that. I was, I was actually explaining that to Mara, like t- trying to tell her how cool that was. But you yeah. know, I knew that was going to be lost on a newbie. But I was still just dorking, geeking on that hard. And yeah, like there, there's also the scenes in there with um, what they're zooming in on Lena's cooch, and uh, then it goes all blurry, and then they, yeah. like, then they went up and down, and it, it was like clear like Vaseline on the lens, sort of like <laughs> happening. And I was like explaining that this is like part of the Franco verse, and she was like, uh huh, like it. It was like you like you get so used to this kind of thing with doing these podcasts with you i don't realize how crazy i sound when i'm oh, i know it's good i love it about like the the zoom on the vagina and she's like looking at me like so this is something that you think about a lot <laughs> yeah, it's just like i don't like, I don't, 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 don't just watch these like, yeah it's just so <laughs> this is how weird i am <laughs> yeah i mean this isn't fucking you know uh how I met your mother or, you know, these TV, we, we actually study these things and they have meaning and there's a, a system and a rules and, you know, there's all these, you know, all these <laughs> great stuff. Um, 
Okay, so number tw- uh, 12, mirror shots. Yeah, tons of mirror shots in this. The club in the beginning, uh, Franco with the mirror, just mirrors all the way through the whole film. Quite a bit of mirrors because they shot in the hotels and stuff as well. So a lot of mirrors. Uh, 13, you talked about mind control theme. Yeah, not really. Maybe the drugging a little bit, but that's... You know, but it didn't work, so... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Really. Uh, number 14, magic tongue scenes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Lena's magic tongue and the other lady's tongue are... Fucking a nice, a nice sword fight of tongues. So that was, was yes, and face sitting. Yeah, face sitting. Yeah, face sitting one one. <laughs> There's house sitting, cat sitting, and now face sitting. So yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, now we have number thirteen, red light. Yeah, I think there was like one red light, in, like in the club, and nothing like major. They weren't shining red lights on people like we're used to, but there was some kind of uh, uh, you know, a little bit of that. Nothing major, but with all the colored lights with the flashing and stuff. Uh, number 16, sheepskin rug. No. Number also slash masturbation with a C item. Almost. There's a lot of masturbating in this. The one the woman's masturbating while crying. Yeah, crying. There you go. See. And also, too, the redhead lady was kind of like rubbing her boobs with the cigarette and masturbating. Mm-hmm, She's yeah, like doing that, the C, the cigarette. So I caught that a little bit, you know. I see. And then, too, with Lino with the bottle, I was thinking of. I was like, mineral water. No, there's no C in that. I was like, glass. No, that's G. I was like trying to figure it out. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> crying sounds better. Yeah. Yep. Um, <laughs> number 17, mad scientists. Or I added servants. Yeah, nothing like that, really. No. Just robots and aliens. Uh, 18, fish tank shot. No. Maybe uh, there's mind control when she's like getting impregnated, kind of, because she does look like she's under some kind of spell. Yeah, she's carried out all like like Jesus, you know, they're carrying her to the cross and she's all flayed yeah. out. Yeah. And Jesus cries yeah. out Jesus Franco. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we have uh and then uh number nineteen, uh talking parrot, no, but I wrote Lena and the driver, like we talked about that weird vocal dubbing. Oh. <laughs> <That> weird- <laughs> I love that you equate that with the parrot. <laughs> That's yeah, so- it was because I'm thinking of a, a, a voice placed on something that's not supposed to have that voice, like the little toy robot, the talking parrot, talking monkey. Parrot. It started off as a parrot, then it kind of morphed into other non-talking things that are weirdly, you know, way done. Parents in my talk. neighborhood were like squawking like I haven't heard them squawk in like months. My, I mean, Mara was like, what is going on out there? It was like mad squawking during the movie maybe they realized i was watching franco and they wanted well it, it uh, rained here today too so maybe the rain's coming your way tomorrow and the birds since that so they're letting you know cool. yeah it rained a short small rain um okay number 20 uh in credits yes or no yes uh 21 handwritten notes yeah uh the uh the makeup the letters on the on the yeah exactly we're counting it Number 22, <laughs> Spiral Staircase. No, it didn't catch you. license. <laughs> uh, 23, Inept Cops. No, no cops at all in this film. No. Uh, number 24, Belly Chains. Didn't catch any Belly Chains by Lena in this, unfortunately. No, just a sequin. Yeah. And actually, too, I liked yeah, her, her blue great. sequin tube top that she was wearing and the uh, scene with the that? devil and all that. Yeah, it just looked yeah, And the red right skirt. Yeah, that was a lovely look. Also, too, uh, Lena looked really good in this film. Like, oh, her yeah. body, her face, her, her attitude, everything. Lena was, like, really, really... I was looking at her going, wow. I mean, these years are prime, Lena. Like, pretty much. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're just like, yeah, Lena was, Lena was smoking. Yeah, no, she, <laughs> she looked really good in this film. Um, yeah. 
Okay, so let's see. That was twenty three, okay, twenty four, uh, twenty five kinks. I really liked when they when they when they rubbed their boobs on each other. That was so nice when they did. Oh like, yeah, yeah, so soft. It was kind of awkward watching that with a girl that you know was like she's she's not bisexual or anything, and we're just friends. But it was like strange because it went on. That scene goes on for so long. Yeah, and the two ladies are making out, and it was like. I was like, kind of like wishing I was alone and I could like, you know, have a minute. So, you know, I got to so, go to the bathroom for a few minutes. You know? No, like, I mean, those boobs, like were, because like, they're like Lena boobs. Like they were, they were like perfect boobs. Like both of them had those perfect Lena boobs and they were just like rubbing them all over each other for a long time. And it was, yeah. was that pretty. Yeah, I like nice. that. <laughs> uh, number 20. Number what? Number 26, great headboards. No, there's no really cool headboards in this film because it's all in the hotel, so they're just regular lame headboards. Uh, number 27, fear or desire? Desire. Yeah. Think, obviously. Uh, number 28, uh, acoustic guitar player. There's no acoustic guitar player in this film. No. Plays there's guitar. no Daniel White happening. It's all just Pablo Villa. Totally. And then finally, number 29, reading a book in beds or uh, reading, a be- reading a book scene. Yeah, we mentioned... They read the comic books and they read the Lena reads the porno mag. Yeah. So um, yeah, so that makes eighteen out of twenty nine on the list. So I want to make a tally yep. now every episode. <laughs> yep. Good stuff. So that's a passing grade. So yeah, that's a passing grade indeed. So so yeah, this is an interesting period of Jess Franco. This is like nineteen eighty. A lot of people kind of think of like this is the decline period for him, but he still has a lot of good films that come out in this period. A lot of strong stuff. He's yeah. doing it. He's cranking out a lot. The from a year before to the next five, six years, I was reading. He puts out like a third of his films in just those like 10 years. Like he really books for these next few years of just like he doubles and triples his previous outputs by that time. So he's really, yeah. really going full bore. Plus, at this time, 1980, the European independent film deal is starting to go away. It's starting to dry up. So it's really cool because he's like racing against time to try to like make all these films as he can before he has no chance. And then a few years later it dries up and he's got to do these direct to video digital stuff. And it's a different ball game, but he still has money. He still has producers and he can still do these. So he's trying to make eight, 10, 12 films a year. So that's pretty admirable and pretty amazing. Yeah. 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 He's one driven man. Yeah. Just like Yoda. So yeah, like I like I say at the end of this, you gotta look up Just Franco Yoda and you'll be blown away. So so obsessed with that. That's really yeah special. So that's one good thing too. Every episode you usually have a good uh thing you learn or or get cool about, like Banana Island and now Yoda. So that's two ones. So (laughs) so um any final words on podcast? You always like educate me on so much. It makes it more enjoyable. Good. Love well, it. This is labor of love. So at least, at least we can get something positive and cool out of it for doing it for, for doing it for Jesse's memory and all that. So, you know, Jesse Wesley. Yeah. So any final words on uh, the sex is crazy. Um, everyone have crazy sex and watch this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Be, Make sure you put a movie. And try to, you know, time this right with with someone that you like to play with. <laughs> and even if you're a robot and you have a silver penis, still wear a condom. Safe sex is the right kind of sex to have. So that's what uh, I want to say. Well, that's me. So I don't know. But get condoms. <laughs> <laughs> get them with a deep passion. But yeah. 
Keyword That's deep. Positive for a simple STI in my life. So I don't really worry about it much anymore. I think I'm beginning to think they're all myths. But yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just well, that lovely and a kid. Yeah. I got you. So. Alrighty, well, uh, I say practice safe sex. Kali says don't practice safe sex. So that's our final words, I guess, on this. Yeah. And uh, buenas noches, Maha. All right. Cheers. <laughs>